Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. We get in Christ with our new position, we get a new guest. And that new guest is the Holy Spirit himself. The comforter, the advocate, the paraclete, the one that tells us what we need to say when we need to say it. The one that keeps us from saying some things when it's time to, oh, y'all gonna act like y'all, okay, fine. When you are on your way to work and you know how you feel about some of them jokers at the job. Help me, Holy Ghost. Don't let me go too far, Holy Ghost. Don't let me tell these people, you know what I'm capable of doing. Help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, okay, I'll come. Some of your kids will get on that last nerve. Help me, Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is there to help you not say the things that could get you in some trouble. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. Lord God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Yes, Lord. Let everything I think and say yes. at this sacred hour, yes. behind this sacred desk, Amen. be a word that brings people closer to Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, for the time that we'll spend together, I want to talk a little bit about God talk. God talk. Amen. Talking about God is something that can be difficult mm. even for professionals. Right. <laughs> Two pastors um, were standing by the side of a ro- the road mm. holding up a sign And this sign said, the end is near. Turn yourself around before it's too late. They planned to hold up this sign and show it to every car that passed by. And the first driver uh, sped by and yelled, leave us alone, you religious nuts. As they went around that curve speeding. Next thing you heard, was some screeching tires. <laughs> then a big splash. And one pastor said to the other, do you think we should shorten the sign to just say, the bridge is out? <laughs> Talking about God and being somebody who knows God and trying to talk to regular people can be difficult. Uh, Poet Archibald McLeish said that religion is at its best when it makes us ask the hard questions about ourselves and it is at its worst when it deludes us into thinking we have all the answers for everybody else. I'll say that again. Uh, Religion is at its best When it makes us ask the hard questions about ourselves, it is at its worst when it deludes us 
into thinking that we have all the answers for everybody else. Yeah. It's kind of strange being a pastor in this day and age when the fastest growing denomination is the nuns. Those who will have nothing to do with organized religion. And it's been my experience that they don't have a problem with Jesus. They don't have a problem with God. <laughs> Their problem is with the so-called Christians. Their problem is with those who are supposed to be loving one another. Their problem is with those who are a part of the only army that seems to shoot its own wounded. We think we have all the answers, and then we so have all the answers all the way to the point that we start dividing ourselves over things that have all the answers. I'm born Baptist, I'm going to die Baptist. I'm born Methodist, I'm going to die Methodist. I'm, gonna, I'm born this, I'm born that, I'm born this, and we forget. It's the Baptist church. Focus on the church, not the Baptist. It's the United Methodist Church. Amen. Focus on the church more than you do the United. It's the, the Episcopal Church, the Roman Catholic Church. Why? Because we should all be able to agree that somebody came through uh, 42 generations, lived a life we couldn't live, died a death we couldn't die to become the perfect sacrifice. The songwriter called it a ransom for our lives. And if we could spend more time preaching Christ crucified and, and, and the resurrection uh, from the dead and the pardon of our sins as opposed to arguing over what goes before church, we might be a little better off. James tells us that pure religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans. It doesn't say pure religion is that to divide up amongst ourselves and denominations and say that we're the only church that's taking people to heaven. Uh, we get so caught up in the symbolism and the language. We want to speak in tongues but can't speak to our neighbors. We get caught up in the, 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 the symbolism and we think that there's no way somebody on the outside can think that something is wrong with what we're doing. Meanwhile, churches are dying. Communities are in peril. Nobody is saying anything. Superintendents not knowing about prison, school to prison pipelines. Nobody is saying anything. Hungry children out on the street. Nobody is saying anything. And sometimes we get so caught up in our language and symbolism that we don't realize that everybody didn't grow up in the church. Uh, some of the things we hold dear, present company included, can be deemed offensive to somebody who never grew up around it. Uh, we love that UMC logo. We love that cross and flames. We see that fire and we think, Holy Spirit fire. But I stop thinking that when I come across a young black man from Alabama who wants to know, why our logo is a burning cross. Burning cross means something a little different to him than it was somebody that grew up around it. 
And let us not think that we have not arrived to understand that there may be somebody that looks at that and sees something different than what we see. We may not have all the answers, but we need to start talking. We need to start talking about God. On the day of Pentecost, this is a Pentecost Sunday, the day of Pentecost, uh, the church began to talk. And they talked about uh, the old bridge being out, but a new bridge being the way to Jesus Christ. The church started talking then, but somewhere around along the line, we stopped talking. Uh, there's an article in the New York Times. It was published in October of 2018. Uh, the writer Jonathan Merritt reported that it is getting harder and harder for people to talk about God. Although more than 70% of the people in the United States identify as Christian, most of them don't feel comfortable talking or speaking about their faith. Mm. According to a recent survey, more than three quarters of Americans often do not have religious or spiritual conversations. Six in ten say that they have spiritual conversations only on rare occasions. And only 7% of Americans say that they talk about spiritual matters regularly. 7%. What if only 7% of the apostles that walked with Jesus had said something about it? Uh, some people are not surprised at these findings, noting that the survey uh, included both a cross-section of Americans, uh, both churchgoers and non-churchgoers. But the shocking deal, the practicing Christians who attend church regularly don't do much better than those who don't go to church regularly. It said only 13% of them have a spiritual conversation about once a week. Why would we struggle to talk about our faith? Uh, the survey revealed that people believe spiritual conversations create tension, arguments. They're not comfortable talking about their faith. Some are concerned about the way we politicize religion. Now I'm going to stop right here to say that God is not a Democrat or a Republican. <laughs> And I'll run away from anybody that tries to make God a Democrat All or right. a Republican. Amen. Because yeah. we can argue about being pro-life versus pro-choice, but you pro-life because God wanted you to be pro-life and God values the, the, the sanctity of human life. But then when that baby is born black or Mexican uh -huh. or Muslim, yeah. they don't value the life so much more. This ain't a shouting sermon today. I don't feel like hollering. I'm preserving my voice. So I run away from anybody that tries to politicize their faith. Anybody that says you can't be a Christian and do this. Amen. When it comes to politics. But some people, because of that politicizing, uh, because of that um, 
these things, they, 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 their social lives, their work lives are prioritized over spiritual disciplines. And most people save their Sunday best for Monday through Friday. Uh, a smaller number don't want to talk about God because they don't want to appear overly religious or extreme. But the fact of the matter is, if more of us were willing to share our faith, it wouldn't be so weird. Uh, some of us hide. And because we hide our faith, we still sharing our faith. If they know you a Christian, they still watching you. You still the only Bible some of these people will ever read. You steal the only sermon some of these people will ever hear. So you might as well get it out there and talk about it as to not cause any more confusion. Because when you leave a bunch of blanks, people will fill those blanks in for themselves. Uh, some of us hide and we think, and then other, the others hide because we think that evangelism is solely on the pastor. So we can blame him or her. When we're not seeing new people walk through the doors. It's the pastor's fault. The pastor needs to be doing something to evangelize. I ain't going to work with y'all. I ain't in y'all houses. Unless you invite me in. I'm only going to see you at the hospital if you're sick. There's a whole bunch of people you could be talking to that I'll never see. And as my predecessor used to say, sheep make sheep. Shepherds don't make sheep. I'm just saying. And then another way we like to hide, and if you can't say amen, say ouch. We, we only surround ourselves with already Christian believers. Pastor, I can't talk about Jesus to nobody because everybody I know already go to church. I went to a, I was going through a training and it was talking about taking your evangelistic temperature of the church and, and it says, you know, they, they would like it to be somewhere between, they would like it to be boiling. Boiling is 100. And they're taking that temperature and it's adding, you know, how many times you pray for the unchurched during a week. Uh, how many people were baptized? How many new transfers? One of them was how many times you've been around or how many unchurched people you've been around. And if that number is zero, that's a problem. <laughs> I, I mean, I got some Bible for it if you want. I, you, we can go to Matthew 28 where it talks about to go out and make disciples Amen. and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and go on and that Jesus will be with them low all the way to the end of the earth. I can go all through Acts. We just finished the whole Bible study before we took summer break on the Holy Spirit. And every time they talk about the Holy Spirit, they put the Holy Spirit in the people and then the people that the Holy Spirit got put into went out. All right. They didn't get the Holy Spirit in the upper room and then just say, well, we'll be here next week. And if anybody wants to come, they'll really make their way on. I'll wait for them to come out from among us. No, they got the Holy Spirit in them and then they went to share it with other people. Amen. So we got to be willing to talk about God. 
Uh, and I like when the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome because he's letting them know that they have a new position. Let the church say position. Uh, they are the, the position in regard to the Son of God means that they are in Christ. The miracle that is in, that they are in Christ is that there is no condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation. You ain't got a heaven or a hell to put nobody else in. They don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. There is no kind of Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and all the old things have passed away. No condemnation. And it's accomplished not through the law of Moses, but what Jesus did on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. And so the position of the Son of God is that he is in Christ. So the position of the person in the position is the, for the law of God is that we are now able to fulfill the law through these righteous requirements. And when we get in Christ with our new position, we get a new guest. And that new guest is the Holy Spirit himself, the comforter, the advocate, the paraclete, the one that tells us what we need to say when we need to say it. The one that keeps us from saying some things when it's time. To, oh, God, y'all gonna act like y'all. Okay, fine. When you are on your way to work and you know how you feel about some of them jokers at the job. Help me, Holy Ghost. Don't let me go too far, Holy Ghost. Don't let me tell these people you know what I'm capable of doing. Help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, oh okay, I'll come. Some of your kids We'll get on that last nerve. Help me, Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is there to help you not say the things that could get you in some trouble. And we have strength through the Holy Ghost. This Holy Spirit that resides in us lets us do things we would not be able to normally do. I know I can look back over my life. I can't talk about anybody else, but I can look back over my life and see what I have been through. And I understand that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where I would be when I sit back and wonder how I got to where I got, knowing where I started, there had to be nothing but the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit has power because this was the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. This is the same Holy Spirit that was there in the beginning. And it's the same Holy Spirit, the one that was and is and is to come. And it strengthens us and lives within us and controls us. And now he now says that it will also raise us from the dead. And he says that these, Paul is contrasting two spirits. He says, while those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage. You did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we call out to Abba Father. Uh, the, The spirit of bondage is fear. When they are telling us that we can't do something, that we know we can't, I remember a quote from Harriet Tubman talking about how she freed thousands of slaves. And she would have freed a whole bunch more if they'd have known they were free. You're free. No longer bound by these chains. What Jesus Christ did on the cross is enough. You're free. 
And this spirit, we are now made uh, sons and daughters of Christ through baptism and adoption. Uh, this state of confident freedom is acting, uh, it lets us know that we have the power to carry on God's work. Amen. We are adopted into the family. We are literally co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. We have the best, biggest brother we could ever have. This one was willing to take our punishments. And it gives us this intimacy with the Father. We are now members of God's family. And when you are on the inside, there are benefits to being on the inside. When, um, you know, I, 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 growing up, I was not a big lounge club party kind of guy. I didn't, I didn't really like to be out in public. I would much rather stay at home and lift weights and play video games. That's pretty much what I did. I, you know, that was an awful loud amen, mama. <laughs> some more friends, and, and, and all of these friends, collectively, they always knew somebody who knew somebody. And when you knew somebody who knew somebody, the experience was a little different. When you, you, you know somebody who knows somebody, you pull up to the concert, and there's no parking spot, and you park right on the curve right in front of the door, and the driver hops out, and they see who it is, and they just put cones around his car. When you, when you, when you know somebody who knows somebody, you go to a restaurant, and because they know somebody, you, you, they, they close off the whole third floor for you. When, you. when you know somebody who knows somebody, and so I said, once I started knowing somebody who knew somebody, I didn't really want to stay at home as much as I used to. I was more willing to go out when I was getting stuff comped and, and, and all going these places and not having to wait in line because I was I, I did not understand the benefit of VIP lists at that time until I started getting on VIP lists. I got a little bit more of appreciation for that. And so I, I was more interested in going, but I say that to say that while that VIP list was cool, there's an even better VIP list, the one that lets me know that I'm the head and not the tail, the one that lets me know that I shall be above and shall never be beneath, that I'm supposed to be the lender and not the borrower, the one that lets me know that I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed where I come and blessed where I go. I got the greatest possible hookup that could ever be made known to man and that man named Jesus Christ. Being in chosen relationship, and he, Paul uses the term adoption because that's something that the non-believers can understand. Ain't that kind of funny? Mm. 
Paul using language that is for the non-believers to understand. They didn't really understand this Jesus, this God, this Jehovah Jireh, this Jehovah Nisi, this Adonai, this El Elyon. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand it to the point that Christians back in that time, well, they weren't really called Christians during that time. They were called followers of the way. But to the Greeks and, and the other, God, other religions around them, they thought they were atheists. So they put them, uh, they even put a monument out, in, uh, and it talks about it in one of the New Testament scriptures, to the unknown God. They didn't know this God, but they knew that there were people around, the outsiders knew that there were people around worshiping him. So Paul says adoption because they didn't understand this God, but they understood adoption. And he said that they've been adopted into the family. They understood adoption because they were all about passing their lineage on to the point that if they didn't have any biological children, they would adopt another grown adult so that they could put this adult in and they could pass on their family lineage. And so they're saying that when they passed on the family lineage, they got all the rights, lights, and benefits that were entitled to them in this family. And so they know that they are in the family. And he says that they were uh, witnesses. And this was for families without males to ensure that the work that they had started, the things that they had got going, the things that they were going on were, were gone. And literally the word means son making in, in the Greek. Uh, this imagery is, is especially important to the Gentiles. They understood that. They didn't understand Jesus hanging on the cross because that's what they did to common criminals. They didn't understand all this, but they understood adoption. They understood being in the family. They understood getting all the rights, rights, and benefits. And because they got all of those benefits, they were able to get this work done. And the Spirit lets us know. He says that if, if children, then heirs. And join heirs with Christ. And indeed, we will suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. So being in this spirit, getting this power, does not release us from our trials and tribulations. It sends us towards them. Uh, the Bible says that man born of a woman days are few and full of trouble. Uh, we like to say no weapon formed against us shall prosper, but somebody has to try to form that weapon and try to use it against you in order for it not to prosper. But it lets us know that even though we are in the valley, no matter how deep the valley, every valley shall be exalted. No matter how high the hill, every hill shall be made low. No matter how crooked the anything is, the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall come in. So it allows us to be present in the suffering. This power that we get through the spirit doesn't mean we're going to be skipping through daffodils and everything's going to be easy as pie, but it means that we know every storm is going to end and we can hold on to God's unchanging hand during the midst of the storm. And so we got to be careful about the language. We got to be willing to be careful about the language and understand that those around us don't talk the same language we talk and we may need to talk that language. Uh, we understand that we are in the family and we have a father who has adopted us. And this father who has adopted us gives us all the benefits of the world. We are chosen, we can talk to God, and we are heirs. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook. 